0: Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units, stand by for On Patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTVR, 89.7 FM.
1: Good morning. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us this morning and tuning in to another new episode of on patrol with the ppd here on wtbr 89.7 fm pittsfield community radio simulcast on pittsfield community television my name is mike winn i am the chief of police here in the city of pittsfield i'm also one of the producers and co-hosts of this purportedly weekly radio program i'm joined in studio this morning by lieutenant gary traversa commander of the communications outreach and professional standards bureau good morning lieutenant good morning chief and we're also joined in studio this morning by Dr. Alan Kohlberg, chair of the City of Pittsfield's Board of Health, who's going to give us a update on the current health situation uh, in the city and the Commonwealth. Can't believe this weather. Just training last night at the dojo. It was like summer. I to crack open the windows.
0: Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. We'll enjoy it while uh, we can. Yeah, I, I look, took a look ahead. Um, we have some final painting projects to do, and this weekend is about it. You've been painting for weeks, man. My wife's been painting for months. I'm just helping her out. (laughs) All right. Um
1: I didn't pick any particular news articles this morning. I I I think we can safely say that the uh the lead story this morning across all media and networks is last night's debate. I uh I elected to train and exercise rather than engage in the debate. So uh I I read about it. And either you guys watch it? I did watch the majority.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um Past my bedtime oh <laughs> the the, uh, the
1: other the other story that broke locally that i was interested in is mass dot came back um, with their report on the west east rail and uh, some some controversy over how that's gonna how that's gonna proceed and whether they're gonna invest more time and resources in continuing to study it given the um, cost benefit analysis that that came out about usership and ridership um, you know i it, i get that the managers are looking at the numbers and and they don't think it makes sense honestly as a resident taxpayer i don't care um sometimes you got to make a decision that doesn't make necessarily the best financial sense because it's it's the right thing to do and it's good for the culture um you know western mass is long and often neglected and this is something that um you know our our residents and our legislators believe will have a positive impact it's it's time to at least check it out at least use the existing use, use the existing rails to see and pilot something um no that's just my opinion but I I don't think we can just shelf this thing at this point in time the other newsworthy item is that uh I'm gonna the doctor can correct me here because uh, I'm gonna mispronounce it remdesivir you got it uh, remdesivir has uh, come out of with FDA approval for the mode of treatment for uh, COVID-19 so it's the first drug to be approved as a actual treatment um so that's good news and that's a good way to transition into our guest this morning Dr Alan Kohlberg who's gonna kind of catch us up on what's going on health-wise so thanks for joining us doctor
2: thank you chief and good morning to both of you Chief and Lieutenant Traversa. Um, good we'll start with some good, good news this morning. <clears throat> um, the uh, health and safety measures continue to benefit Pittsfield and the Berkshires in general. Uh, we have been seeing on average about one new case per day um, and according to Larry Parnas, whose uh, checkup appears daily in the Eagle, there are no cases at BMC or Fairview. So that's good news. Uh, the cases that we have been seeing have largely been related to travel, people coming from areas where there's a higher incidence of disease uh, than the Berkshires and also there have been some cases arising from uh, from clusters in uh, congregate facilities uh, rather the 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 important point here is that there is no there's no evidence of community transmission at this point community transmission meaning that there's no transmission evidence of transmission from one household to another one unrelated household to another uh it's all been these uh, rel- uh, relatively small clusters o- or related to travel so that is good the, the thing we most try to uh, avoid is community transmission which is why uh it is uh essential for everybody to continue wearing masks and try to Keep their proper physical distance of six feet. Uh, wash their hands. Stay home when they're ill. Uh, you've heard the, uh, you've heard all these instructions before, but it's always uh, a good idea to repeat them. So continue, uh, Berkshires, with your health and safety measures. They are working. They're keeping us safe. The schools also remain safe. The. the uh, uh, hybrid learning has now been back, has been in, in effect since the, what is today, the 22nd. So it's been in effect now for a little over a week and we haven't had any cases arising from the schools either involving students or staff or teachers. Uh, and it is essential to, uh, to uh, mention that masks are required of all students and staff in schools except for those who have a legitimate medical exemption. So masks are essential, and uh, that, uh, that order uh, will be enforced. I, I understand that the governor is supposed to be coming out with some statement, uh, maybe today or certainly in the very near future, uh, uh, clarifying the issue about masks in schools uh, and uh, how important they are. Uh, The CDC came out with new guidelines, which affect mainly our public health nurses who do the contact tracing. As you all know, um, what's considered a close contact, if you're a a close contact of somebody who is COVID positive, uh, you're at a higher risk of uh, acquiring that infection if you have been in that person's presence for 15 minutes and within six feet distance, the new CDC guidelines say that those 15 minutes can be cumulative cumulative over a 24 hour period. So even if you are uh, in somebody's presence who is COVID positive for one minute, 15 times over a 24 hour period, it's just as risky as if being in their presence for 15 consecutive minutes so that uh, is will be creating a new challenge for our public health nurses who do the contact tracing uh j- just to remind those who are maybe not familiar with uh what contact tracing is when there's a positive case our public health nurses contact people who have been in, have been around that person and uh work footwork forward and backward to the uh, uh, get tested as many people who might be at risk as possible. Uh, The Department of Public Health has a new system for color coding communities. You may be familiar with the red, yellow, green, white uh, color coding system that they developed which relates to the number of cases per 100,000 population. The the new part of that system is that <clears throat> they are going to append an asterisk to communities where if they have a uh, an, uh, an increase in the number of cases which are related to specific clusters within, say within a nursing home or a congregate facility or a single household, uh, especially in a small town where you might have a population of 5,000, if you have one case, then on a per one hundred thousand population, that could translate to twenty cases per hundred thousand, and that doesn't seem fair to uh, to uh, to tag those small communities with that uh, designation, if uh, because of their low population. So, for uh, popula- for towns where there is a a small population, uh, or and for towns with a, a, a small cluster of cases occurs within a single location, uh, they, they might be designated as a red, which is the highest risk community, but there will be a star next to it indicating that it is uh, related to that particular location. And um, translated into practical uh, application, If you are in a red zone, if you're in a red community and it is related to just this small cluster, it will not necessarily affect the ability to conduct in-person education, uh, which was originally one of the intentions of the red, yellow, green designation, but now even if you're in a red community, uh, you might be able to continue to have in-person learning in the schools. Testing continues mostly at BMC. Uh, there's been a light slightly longer turnaround time to get results due to increased testing uh, people coming everybody coming into a hospital or people having testing for uh, who are going to be having procedures done elective procedures uh, have increased the uh, de- burden on our testing facilities and therefore the turnaround time has been longer uh, still there's a priority for people who are first responders and for people who have symptoms and we we will be we're still trying to get those results within 24 hours 48 hours at most but those who might be uh, might have been tested who have noticed that the turnaround time is somewhere in the range of three to four days it is because the supply is in incre- uh, the demand is exceeding the, the supply, but we expect that to improve in the near future. Uh, with respect to that, testing is going to be expanding uh, in offices and at, uh, at BMC with the uh, acquisition of a testing device made by Abbott called the Abbott ID. Now it's a 15 minute PCR test and the PCR test is considered the gold standard and it takes 15 minutes to do the test Uh, the the uh, limitation is that the uh, you can only do one test at a time so it's not suited for mass testing but for a primary care office or say for uh, certain facilities where you don't have very large numbers of people to test it will be uh, well suited and it could it could also uh, specifically help our school system Uh, so if a child is ill and has to be tested, we can get a result within 15 minutes rather than waiting one to two days and that will affect everybody in the class and as well as the entire school. So that will be obtained locally, we expect within the next one to two weeks, uh, this uh, new Abbott device to do with a 15 minute PCR test. And, uh, at about the same time we expect november 1st the uh testing tent which has been uh taking place on which has been located on it's on park street right park and seymour park park and seymour um is going to be moving indoors they're going to continue doing testing at the tent but uh during the transition to indoor testing in st luke's plaza um the, the uh Eventually, the testing during the colder winter months will be taking place indoors. And again, that's expected to start in the next week to a week and a half. Um, Residents are aware of the fact that trick-or-treating, house-to-house trick-or-treating has been strongly discouraged by the mayor. There are other safer options available and uh, we urge our residents not to move the party indoors uh, where there's an increased risk of 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 transmission of disease Uh, another thing to mention and with respect to that is uh, i mentioned before that one of the safety mitigation measures that we have uh, employed in 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 this community as well as All other communities, is that one should never underestimate the seriousness of even a mild illness. Uh, There was a cluster in Berkshire County related to people who seemed to be mildly ill. They were younger people who tend to be more mildly ill than older people, but um, they had COVID-19 nonetheless. So uh, don't move the party. don't Don't start having big parties indoors. Uh, There will be safer trunk or treat activities in town but uh those residents who do not want to participate in children who will uh be traveling from house to house if you do not want to participate in that just keep your lights off uh we expect that there will some be some kids going door to door but it has again it has been strongly discouraged (coughs) and um wrapping up here um Saint, the Saint Joe uh, the old St. Joe School is going to be opening November 1st as a uh, shelter for uh, people experiencing homelessness homelessness. And we are in the process of developing a plan for screening and testing residents of that facility. As you might recall, back in the spring, it was used for homeless folks uh, and is going to be re, uh, start, that's going to be started up again, and we're developing the plan for screening people coming in and and doing testing uh hopefully on with a rapid turnaround we continue to respond to uh, daycare centers educational institutions uh, and individual citizens who have had questions about various aspects of the pandemic and we're happy to continue receiving those questions and ans- uh, answering them and uh, acting on them as best as we can possibly do at the health health department uh, the number at the health department is 499-9411. And our residents are welcome to call, Pittsfield residents are welcome to call that number if they have questions. And lastly, I wanna make a pitch for everybody to get, to get the flu shot. I got mine yesterday. Uh, the flu shot is, imp- is ex- especially important this year because we don't want to have to be dealing with the double whammy of both the flu and coronavirus, uh, which have very similar symptoms and affect similar parts of the body. And perhaps just as importantly, uh, as I had mentioned before, people who are even mildly ill uh, will have to stay home from work, stay home from school. And the more people we can get immunized against the flu, the fewer children will be uh, pulled out of school uh, the fewer children will have to be tested, uh, and the less uh, less disruption there will be to the entire school system and the community. So um, that's what I have. Um, Again, get your flu shot, be safe, wear your mask, wash your hands, stay home when you're ill, and um, we'll all get through this. That's actually
1: quite a lot. It, well it's been a while since we had you in here doc so <laughs> I, I guess we're probably catching up on on several months worth of updates um and we probably should re- revisit or reconsider the frequency that we have a health update in here I'll Have to talk to gina about that um before we let you go just mm-hmm. a couple follow-up questions <clears throat> first of all i didn't ask at the outset how are you this this has been a uh how am i th- this has been a sp- marathon not a sprint and you know the last time you were here we were talking about the fact that technically you're retired yes right and, technically uh, and so you retired <laughs> and you took on the chair of the board of health and all of a sudden the global pandemic hit it's a working retirement you basically went back to work full-time how are you holding up
2: oh i'm doing all right <clears throat> I, I was working really full-time back in march april may doing probably 45 50 hours a week at the health department but um You know it's you you do what you got to do absolutely i've uh i enjoyed doing the work because it was helping and uh, supporting the people at the health department and people in the community uh it has been i have been working considerably less lately but uh, i'm a work i'm a make work type of guy so i'm trying i'm constantly trying to find ways that i can be helpful and improve the system we have so thank you for asking yeah. but I'm, I'm doing all right uh, not not too fatigued from this pandemic you, we, we all are a bit fatigued but you know you got to keep on keeping on
1: you say you're working less and yet you always respond to emails or text messages that we send regarding potential cases in the department regardless of what time it is so we appreciate that thanks for your continued support you're welcome um, so I just I oh. want to touch <coughs> excuse me <coughs> I touch base on, on three quick things before I let you go one you you covered it extensively um the city's posture and position on halloween and trick-or-treat and so you know there are scheduled planned trunk-or-treat events um saw in the paper this morning some particular coverage about that Uh, car hardware is is partnering with in this case the berkshire eagle Um, all the car hardware locations in the county except for the lee location uh have something planned um so that's a safe option and you know again the city's official position is it's strongly discouraged please don't but um we get that there are going to be some families or or some neighborhoods that choose to and without getting into any specifics if that's your choice if, if you decide to do that just be smart um you know take whatever precautions you deem necessary to avoid close contact and modes of transmission, if that's grab and go goodie bags or whatever, you know, setting stuff at the end of your driveway, keep the group small and stay away from one another. <laughs> Correct. It's and that includes the parents as well. And that includes the parents. Um, it's going to be different, but you know, if we get through this one, we don't have to look at facing this for for the inevitable future. Um, and right after we get through Halloween, people are going to start gearing up for Thanksgiving. Right. Actually, I have a to-do list on Thanksgiving items on my list for today. Um, it, that's been a big topic of conversation, not just locally, but nationally. This is this is not the year for large family gatherings.
2: That's correct. You know, it's, um, it's just one of those sacrifices we have to make. We have to try to modify our get-togethers or not have them at all or just um, have them with people who are in our bubble, people with whom we are frequently in contact with uh you know this is these are challenging times for everybody but i uh if if you compare it to some of the hard times people have endured in history we're not this is not london 1940 where we're getting bombed to smithereens we have to make sacrifices we're not living in the subway tunnels um we're in our homes uh we are there, there has been some isolation but you know Everybody's got to find some strength to to keep this going until we hopefully get a a, a an effective vaccine which can uh, help things open up and that is on the horizon uh, and um, hopefully that will you know that will help to uh, provide that uh, element of herd immunity that will if enough enough people get the vaccine and have that herd immunity that will. Uh, then be um, that will lead to uh, opening up society uh, more freely and with people getting back to more normal activities. So we're, we're all <coughs> hopeful about that. Be creative in your
1: holiday plans. So last topic, and then I will definitely um, let you go. So this week, I've been participating in remote training. This is the week that we normally would have been at the International Association of Chiefs of Police conference in New Orleans. And obviously, I'm here, I'm not in New Orleans. So all the training has been via uh, video conference, basically. Uh, And yesterday afternoon, during one of our critical issues forums, I had the good fortune to listen to a brief presentation by a colleague and actually a friend of mine Uh, Chief James Craig who's currently the chief of the Detroit Police Department Uh, I knew i worked with Chief Craig when he was in Portland Maine traveled up there to do some work with him Um, Chief Craig unfortunately had COVID-19 early in in the pandemic and one of the things that he mentioned in his remarks yesterday and I just you know was hoping you could um, illuminate me or you know educate our listeners he had it in March or April and he shared with us yesterday that despite the fact that he's a pretty fit guy, uh, he's still dealing with lasting um, impacts, physical impacts. He still has some... Um, Brain fog. Not just that, <coughs> just he, physical, he's got some other... Physical other sim- fatigue, Not, yeah. not it, symptoms, it can, but um, characteristics.
2: Have, yeah, it can have <coughs> uh, cardiac effects and lung effects. So we're only beginning to uh, learn about those more long-term effects. What's called long COVID uh, from people who have survived. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I guess that's the
1: part that I've heard the term long COVID, but I guess until somebody that I know was sharing that with me, it didn't occur to me. I mean, this isn't this isn't like uh, the common cold. This isn't like the annual flu where you get it and then you get better. Um, you know, this this stays in your body. It stays in your system, and you know, it's been for, in his case, in Jimmy's case, it's been months. Uh, and he's not fully recovered.
2: Yeah, the virus can cause damage. It can cause blood clots. It can cause uh, a lot of the people who had lung problems uh, had evidence of pulmonary emboli, which is clotting within the lungs. Uh, They had cardiac depression. They had, of course, lung uh, lung issues and uh, kidney issues, uh, as well as long-term neurologic issues, uh, with uh, many people experiencing this brain fog that can persist for months later uh including a friend of mine who t- spoke about that with me recently so um yeah it's uh it's not a one and it's not a one and out uh illness it's it has it sticks
0: around for a while and
1: that's truly frightening right,
0: well i have a a follow-up question on on the testing yeah I, I'm, hope i'm i'm not putting you on the spot here doc but just in in regards to the latest testing uh, false positives or false negatives yep. what's what's the data on that what, what are the what's the um the accuracy
2: well the gold standard test which is <coughs> called the real-time pcr is um has got a very good sensitivity and specificity in the high 90s and that's that um now i'm not talking about the uh, rapid 15-minute PCR which we are going to be getting very soon although the um the estimates the the data on that is that the sensitivity that is the number of cases the uh that that it picks up uh and which is uh the opposite of um, how many false Negatives one might have, so yeah. the the number of cases that accurately picks up is somewhere in the range of about 80% to as high as 97%. Uh, so I mean, if it's if that range, if it were all if all the data show that the sensitivity, the number of cases that accurately detects, was 97%, we would be very happy. But um, it can miss some cases. So um, if a person has a an illness which is highly suspicious and this is where the issue with flu comes in because the flu symptoms are very why people should get the flu shot because the flu symptoms are very much like covid Uh, if somebody has a case which is highly suspicious for covid they might need the more confirmatory test the the um, the pcr that takes a little bit longer to do it can take some days to do but um, there are false positives there are false negatives Uh, the the last I've read is that there's uh, it's a more of an issue of false negatives. Um, so um, you know there's no perfect test, but it's it's a pretty darn good
0: test uh, what what we have uh, access to. So and has that changed <coughs> since March or April when this first hit? Have has the data indicated that they've gotten more accurate, or is it about the same?
2: Um, more accurate, well, initially, the testing, there were glitches related to contamination of, of materials used to develop the test. And this is a long, uh, s- sordid story related to the CDC with um, issues related to contamination of specimens and, and uh, uh, other political uh, interferences, if you will. Uh, but yes, the, the short answer to your question is yes. The uh, tests have become more accurate, and uh, now, we, especially now, with this 15-minute test, uh, despite its uh, potential shortcomings, will be a uh, a welcome addition to our to our um, technique the the techs- techniques we have available. Um, I I see that especially helpful for the school system if we can I- accurately identify if we can pick up cases in the schools involving kids who are ill to go to the school nurse and they they refer the child to the pediatricians office and they do a 15 minute test and it turns out to be negative they might want to r- confirm that with a a uh, more uh, a, a more slightly more accurate test but certainly if it's positive we can start the contact tracing right away so. Um, Yes, uh, our testing has improved. And uh, uh, that that will be a, a big deal when it comes to um, hopefully we don't have to deal with it. But it, if we do start seeing a resurgence of cases here, like they have seen in the eastern part of the state, that'll be a, a very welcome addition to what we have available to uh,
0: help control community spread. Selfishly, that 15 minute test would be great for first responders because, absolutely you know the the, the couple of tests that, that we've had done you know in the last few months it's you're kind of sweating it oh yeah, yeah. i know, know. <laughs> <laughs> i'm well aware of that
2: because i get i get phone calls about that the, both from
1: the force it, protection it, measures we have to put in place are yeah. extensive yeah okay. from
2: both pd and fire I've, I've gotten phone calls and we you know we try to expedite those as much as possible also uh say, with uh, a place like St. Joe, the homeless shelter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, if you have people who need shelter, uh, and they they present to the door with some symptoms of an illness, they have a runny nose, cough, fever, whatever, um, it would be nice to be able to know if that person has the illness before bringing them in ex- and exposing them to other people in the facility. So, yeah, uh, c- rapid testing is the way to go. and. Um, I'm sure that the accuracy of those of that 15-minute test will improve as time goes on. Uh, you know, we're still in the early stages of that. Uh, we don't have it yet in town. Again, I mentioned that we're going to have it within the next week, two week and a half. But I'm sure they will continue to Im- improve on the test and and its accuracy.
1: Well, Doctor, thank you again for coming in and joining us this morning. Like I said, it's uh, we probably should. Do this more frequently than we have been doing but uh, we'll we'll figure out the tech and we won't make you drag down here all the time we can do it via skype
2: but you know uh, i tried the i tried to do the <laughs> skype thing and you know it, it's my technological yeah. illiteracy that yeah. probably got in the way of it it's, but uh, yeah, I live five minutes away, I, so I just, I just...
1: Well, we appreciate I just it. That, was, that right. was a load of useful information, and as always, it's, uh, it's good to see you, and we appreciate your continued support
2: thank for you. our thank health you. efforts here in the city. Thank you, thank you.
1: Be well. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Thanks, doctor. You're welcome. Lieutenant, we are a couple minutes late. Let's do that station identification and our PSAs. Another Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madalina with the Pittsfield Police Department. We all have busy lives, and we're in a hurry to get to where we need to be. While driving, people are eating, drinking, talking, putting on makeup, doing their hair, checking social media, texting each other, all while the dog sits on their lap. The result is running red lights, stop signs, speeding, and finally crashing. Distracted driving is illegal. You can be ticketed or criminally charged. Please share the road and pay attention. Let's make sure everyone gets where they want to go safely. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM.
3: Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union. Proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at Greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic.
1: Good morning welcome back thanks for joining us again you're listening to on patrol with the ppd here on wtbr 89.7 fm Pittsfield community radio simulcast on Pittsfield community television i uh, want to thank dr kohlberg again for coming in and joining us this morning and giving us that timely and uh, informative health update it definitely has been probably too long lieutenant since we
0: we did that yeah so, with the follow up yeah, it was great to have him in and and to get that information I
1: have to follow up with gina and kayla and and come up with a regular schedule maybe not on the weeks so we're we're at every other week for um command and general staff teleconferences so maybe on the off weeks we can plan and schedule a health update yeah okay so i don't even know where i want to start i was going to talk about training and some of the stuff that um i've been doing for the last couple of days but i noticed from some of our communications threads that uh you also have had a in training intensive week yeah you've, you've been on the road quite a bit what have you been up to
0: um i was actually on the range four days this week really uh two full days um well actually three full days pretty much and then a partial day
1: well i know monday was the touch touch up yeah instructors
0: yeah uh, the Pittsfield firearms instructors of which there are now seven or eight um, we got together on Monday and refreshed what we were going to present in the uh, in our in-service officer Nikki Gaynor our training officer leads that group um, of which uh, I am a member so I was up there on Monday we're borrowing space from Williamstown for that, right? We were in Williamstown on Monday, and then uh, Tuesday was our one of three retiree ranges that uh, Officer Gainer scheduled this fall.
1: I didn't even know those were on the schedule.
0: Yep. So <coughs> um, when uh, officers retire, they want to retain their, their firearms credentials, Um uh, Officer Gainer, and uh, Organizes it with um, Retired Detective so, uh, Richard LeClaire.
1: So we probably should explain That a little bit um, There is a federal law Commonly referred to as Leosa, yeah. the Law Enforcement Officer Safety Act. I don't remember when Leosa passed for the first time It was amended several years ago And essentially what Leosa says is, if You're a retired law enforcement Officer who retired in good standing and you maintain your certification and proficiency with your firearm, uh, personally owned or, or, you know, the one that you um, is in some cases purchased from the department. And you carry your credentials, your um, your law enforcement status, your title law enforcement status, and your credentials uh, are essentially good for nationwide carry. Um, and so, as you can imagine, many of our retired law enforcement officers are interested in maintaining that status so it's something that they had for the entire time that they were employed and they don't, they're not willing to give it up but one of the requirements of leosa is that you qualify annually certify annually with either the department you retired in good standing from or the department in the community where you reside And one of the things that we have found over the last, I don't know, it's it's been, it's longer than I've been the chief, um, so probably 15 years, uh, is that many police departments, for whatever reason, budgetary reason, um, you know, time commitments, whatever, they're not willing to to provide the access to the range and the certification to officers who reside in their communities but didn't retire from their department. And so... um, we, for many, many years, have, have done this annually. And uh, we actually have retirees who will travel home in order to, to attend these with us. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they served us well for a long time. This is something we can do for them. And in I think the most important – well, there's two aspects from, from my perspective as the chief. There's two aspects of this uh, beyond the fact that it just allows them to comply with the law. The social – aspects of that gathering or in this case these gatherings have become phenomenal right yeah we've got retirees going way back um who can they show up to spend some time with their colleagues with their brother and sister officers and and it's it's just like a a big reunion or three small reunions this year
0: yeah it's uh (laughs) you know they're officer these retired officers are anywhere from their you know mid to late 50s to to early 80s some of them yeah and it's there's 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 actually two parts of that there's the socialization with each other you know to get get back together and reconnect a little bit but also it's one of for for many of them it's one of the few contacts they have with the department that they worked with for you you know know, the the continuity of the legacy right
1: and, and that brings me to the other point from the chief's office that's valuable is it gives us one time a year that we're almost guaranteed a contact that we can update our contact information because when I took over, um, you know, and Detective Leclerc was active at the time and he helped us with this, we didn't have good addresses for many of the retirees. Right? It's it's one of those things that speaks to um the the odd nature of law when you know law is very insular when you're in you're in and in many cases when you get out that's it right it's you just you you're done um and what we found was that the only the de- it's not even a department the only source we had for contact information for our own retirees was the retirement office they would update their contact information with them because they needed it for their pension payments but Retirement wasn't providing that information to us. There were people that had retired not that long ago, and we had no way of getting in touch with them. So um, this yeah. has allowed us to update that database as well. Okay, so retiree range, then what?
0: Yeah, um, and, and just, you know, it, I think it's obvious, but we, we split that into three, you know, because of the COVID situation to, to spread everybody out a little more. Uh, let's see, so Wednesday was in service. So that was the first um uh training of the the firearms block and um it was uh largely um rifle and shotgun training got it so um you know we had that'll that'll go on for the next uh six weeks and um you know we've talked about in service before how we we uh, cycle everybody through that's part of the 40-hour required Uh, MPTC training uh, that uh, everyone in the department does each year. And then yesterday was um, something that was kind of new. MPT's uh, Firearms Committee, um, there's a new coordinator. Um, So it's kind of like having a new president yep right you, you get somebody new in there and, there's a new
1: sheriff in town
0: yeah they want to make some changes and and i think part of the the covid situation of you know people weren't uh, or, or instructors weren't able to to research um but anyway it was a um it was a an effort to get everybody together um uh throughout the state um and, and and get on the same page. Um, and it, and the way I understand it was the plan was to get together at Devons <laughs> and have, you know, I, I, I would imagine on somebody, separate dates. And, and somebody, somebody
1: interfered with that plan.
0: <laughs> somebody interjected and made it a little easier for <clears throat> us. Uh, at least easier for us. I don't know if it was easier for the coordinator, but... So I
1: I, sh- I should follow up on that because it's you know it's, it's, sometimes I I get carried away right so just for for every discipline in every major discipline in our training um, that we receive certification from the MPTC in there is a there is a statewide coordinator, right? So there's a statewide coordinator for first aid, CPR, first responder. There's a statewide coordinator for defensive tactics, use of force, um, emergency vehicle operation, and and there's a statewide coordinator for firearms. And uh, in interest of full disclosure, um, several years ago, many years ago, I actually applied to be the statewide firearms coordinator, and was a finalist. I didn't get it. but the statewide coordinator is responsible for taking the curriculum and the requirements that come out from the MPTC and operationalizing it to make sure that all of the academies and all of the satellites and all of the training locations are doing the training with fidelity to, to the, the written requirements. It, it's, a, it's a major job and it's a collateral duty. It's something that people take on as secondary employment. Um, I've worked with all three Firearms coordinators since I became a firearms instructor in the early 90s I actually met sergeant Brennan uh, the new firearms coordinator the week before the the Training and recertifications started this year. Uh, He was in a class. I was instructing on the other end of the state Uh, It was before the training started but after I interrupted his plan Um, And so basically what happened was there had been a conversation uh, that officer Gander was involved in in April uh, kind of an online conversation about what they expected to change and to you know full dis- I fully support what they're trying to do and what they're trying to change. The reality is that there are several thousand certified firearms instructors through the MPTC and the Commonwealth and of those several thousand firearms instructors, less than a hundred are actively teaching and only about a dozen are teaching other instructors. It's just too, it's too many and so they needed to make sure, the people who had the credential were utilizing the credential and that they're all teaching what they were supposed to teach so sergeant brennan made the decision that every certified instructor in the commonwealth was going to have to physically be present on a range with him or his his staff this year this fall and up until that point like absolutely good to go but then what happened is they posted the dates and the locations and and there was only a couple weeks heads up it was like you know these are the dates it's coming up there's a few weeks away they're all in Devons. Now, if you're listening or you're you're watching and you don't know where Fort Devons is, Fort Devons is a fairly sizable military installation. Um, I can't. It, the the closest communities are Harvard, Mass, and Boxborough, I believe. It's up on Route Two. It's a beautiful drive, but there is no good way to get to Devons. And if you're from Berkshire County. On a good day, it's a couple hours. If you're from southern Berkshire County and it's a bad day, it's potentially three hours. Um, And so six hours of travel time for what essentially was going to be an eight-hour training day, it's just not doable. And for as long as I've been involved in training in the Commonwealth and and as proud as I am to be an MPTC instructor, the the coordinators are Boston-centric. It's Eastern oriented and in many cases they don't even know how long these travel times are. I've had instructors come These are friends of mine, but and I think I've told this story on the air before we had instructors Show up late to our Academy at STCC for a train the trainer Because they thought they were going to the Western Mass Academy and they thought the Western Mass Academy was in Worcester And so they planned their training time in this case from Cambridge or Chelsea to Worcester and then we're on the road before they realized they had to go to Springfield, right? And when they showed up and they're like, Yeah, we're sorry, we're we're late, we wouldn't plan for it. It's like, hey, there's another we, we drove an hour to get here for you, right? So it's it's kind of funny when we talk about it, but they just don't give any thought to how long it might take somebody to get to a training location. And so when I saw that and my role as the the Law enforcement council president I protested uh, So there's no way, you know, we've got instructors out here. It's going to be a 14-hour day Uh, and you know, the, the executive director of the mptc heard what I was saying uh, sergeant brennan to his credit heard what I was saying and basically what they um, they did is they allowed officer gainer To schedule some dates out here and then sergeant brennan was he here yesterday? Did yeah. he come out. So yeah, he he made the drive right uh, which requires an overnight stay for him but um you know good leadership on his part it was the right thing to do rather he make the drive and spend the night than potentially a several dozen instructors have to work a series of 14-hour days yeah so um
0: cool so yeah that that was one of three of uh of those trainings and then uh, you know we were able to use the Dalton range right. um so yeah so all yeah. the all the
1: instructors are yep. doing those dates here yep. in October yeah and then the instructor trainers are doing those dates here in november and think i'm yeah. scheduled to go out november 10th
0: hopefully it's still mild for you <laughs> it won't be <laughs> it'll be snowing it's
1: always snowing when i go to the fall range
0: it's funny how we were <clears throat> talking you know you mentioned the whole the train debate yeah and then we're talking about you know yeah yeah how, how western mass where it starts and where it ends yeah so anyhow
1: that's that's my soapbox for today um, so
0: so how is IACP
1: ICP so it IACP is something that I have learned to look forward to every year I, I've talked about this before it's actually something that I I schedule training time and then I bracket time on both ends with you know personal time time take time take off and um, it's something that um, my wife will come in a couple days after me to join me for. you know We get to see the the host city and participate in, in some of the host city events. Uh, and this year was supposed to be in New Orleans, which is one of my favorite cities to visit. So I was heartbroken um, when, obviously, the, the trip was canceled and we weren't going to be able to do that. And I couldn't imagine training taking training on the caliber that I always receive when I go to IACP and the vendor show in a remote format. I couldn't do it. Um, and so it was this week wound up and uh it was, you know getting ready to you commit to the because they they reduced the price and they put it online and uh i gave it some thoughts like i'm gonna i'm gonna do my best to to do the best i can to get the most value out of this that i can just like i would if i was there and so um and to avoid distractions and, and interruptions i decided i would attend the sessions i was scheduled for from home and uh I, i've been doing that I mean, it's been it's essentially been you know seven and a half, eight hour days and classes are starting around 10 o'clock and uh usually there's a session that begins right at four and so it wraps up around five, five fifteen. Um but we got people attending from all over the world, right? So I had a classmate in a session yesterday from Bangladesh. It was three o'clock in the morning, right? Oh, wow. Um so I didn't think about that. Like yeah. when we're all in one location, everybody shifts to the time zone we're in and you go to class on the same schedule. We've got people attending in the dead of night. Um, you know, the classes are starting later because even Pacific Coast time, right? You know, if we started when we normally do at eight in the morning, it'd be five a.m. out there. Yeah. Um, but the the caliber of the training has been outstanding. Um, it's it's been really really good, and. Uh, and I'm trying to I'm trying to find the, the positive. So I recognize something Wednesday night. Um, you know, if you if you've ever been to a national convention, the IECP is massive, right? It's just a massive convention, tens of thousands of people and vendors. And some of the convention centers that we've been in in Orlando and Philly and San Diego, those places are huge. And I know um, two years ago in Philly, it, I had to sprint to get from one session that was wrapping up to a session I really wanted to attend that was on the other end of a separate building on a different floor. Uh, And there's no sprinting this year. I get 15 (laughs) minutes between class, I go up, I I get a glass of water, a cup of coffee, I use the restroom, I go back, I settle in the class. Um, Most of the sessions I've been sitting at my desk and taking notes uh, yesterday afternoon. I was like, I can get in the recliner, right? Much much more comfortable than sitting in a straight back chair in a class uh conference room at a convention center so it's been good um a lot of a lot of quality instruction um it it's been a difficult you know 2020 has been a difficult year and we've been having some hard hard conversations uh as police executives I sat in on a session yesterday on um the media right for nationally recognized correspondence journalists talking about their presence at some of the larger protests and and what they've seen from the media's perspective i wrapped up well, actually um it was my last session uh second to last session yesterday it was a session on international violent extremism uh which has been a you know a, it's been a topic of study of mine for a number of years but it's something that we've added to the curriculum here in the commonwealth a few years ago and uh some of the trends that some subject matter experts from the anti-defamation league and some universities pointed out it's really really concerning uh things that i hadn't actually picked up on yet um you know it, and we've seen it right we've seen it in in video and images that we've seen from some of the national protests um Groups that when I was the gang intelligence officer that I was actively involved in tracking uh, Which we would have identified as fringe extremist groups very very outside the mainstream groups, but they were isolated uh, So they're standalone entities and what's happened in the last couple of years uh, proliferated online is that these individual entities are joining one another Uh, and so they may have very different agendas Um, Mm -hmm. they may not even like each other but they have a common cause and so they'll come together around that common cause and it's um you know it's it's leading to you know this is one of the things that probably led to the plot um Against the Wisconsin governor is these these different elements that ordinarily wouldn't align, aligning, um, and so that hmm. that's concerning. Um, got some. I, I, when I, our last session today is a uh, so the first the first inaugural session kicked off. Uh, and author and speaker Simon Sinek was our presenter, yep. and I've, I've been I've become a big fan of his in the last several years. This is the second time I've seen him present.
0: Like his TED talks.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, and today wraps up with General um, General McChrystal, Stanley McChrystal. So I'm looking forward to that. Hmm. So, yeah. We didn't get to half the stuff I wanted to talk <laughs> about today. I went off on that tangent about the MPTC and Fort Devons. And I love the ranges at Fort Devens. It's just not worth the drive.
0: Thank you for saving me from that yeah. drive. Because, yeah. I, I, you know, being on the range is getting challenging enough. Yeah. Have you been out to Devens for training? Um, uh, not to Devens, but I was. Is it Winchester? Is Winchester out there? Somewhere out there. I, so I, I went to Winchester for a training once, and that's right around Devons. But I haven't. I, I haven't had to go on. On the fort, you know. so,
1: so I, I need to share this because this is. I find this fascinating. The first time I had to go to Fort Devens, I was. A Brand new firearms instructor and I was going to a statewide law enforcement instructor and, and armorers conference and I actually was Lodging I was staying on post on base in what Apparently when the base was much larger and active had been the bachelor officers quarters. It was basically a big hotel The part of the base had been decommissioned and so the BOQ had been turned into a commercial hotel so i was lodged in this hotel but i was training on the ranges which are actually outside of the perimeter of the base it's a separate military installation so stay at the hotel drive off of the base go to the ranges train all day go back to the hotel a couple years later i had to go back out there for some mptc stuff in the meantime more of the base had been decommissioned and it's part of this community development there's now a community of Devons, right so you got the base and then you've got the surrounding area that's been decommissioned and that's a town and then you got the ranges so you got to go through this community this municipality to get to the ranges the next time i went out more of the base had been decommissioned and the town was bigger so when we drove from the ranges back to the the training loop the conference center we drove past town of Devons, officers military police state troopers military police like it was on the base off the base on the base, off the base there was so many competing jurisdictions were on the same road it was, a, it was bizarre
0: now that you mentioned that that we didn't go to training at Devon's but we stayed at the Devon's hotel uh, one, of, one of the you know the, yeah. the hotels there and I remember it was I remember watching on the, the TV screen there. Uh, the news about the Osama bin Laden raid.
1: Really? Yeah. So, you know, it's just, and I'm sure it's changed much more since, but it was odd because you would drive down this beautiful scenic country road and then you would cross an intersection and there would be Jersey barriers and barbed wire and water barriers and guys in fatigues. And then you would drive out of that zone onto another section of beautiful reclaimed country road. And it it was, it was surreal, right? Just yeah, same road, completely different experience yep all right so we're just about out of time
0: just over a minute
1: all right uh i'm not gonna read it you guys know the drill there's a ton going on um free community day tomorrow at hancock shaker village bunch of other stuff in here um check out the cultural pittsfield or the cultural pittsfield this week newsletter if you haven't subscribed yet do that completely have not mentioned it for the last several uh episodes make sure you check us out on social media if you've got a question tag it with hashtag on patrol with the ppd so we can find it um i want to thank dr Kohlberg again for coming in this morning i gotta get back to my virtual conference so i'm gonna head out of here shortly lieutenant have a great weekend. Hopefully the weather holds and you can paint. Thank you. You too. <laughs> for those of you. Hopefully you don't have to paint. <laughs> yeah, no. For those of you tuning in, thank you. <clears throat> Join us again next week for another episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Be well, be kind, have a great week.